This is the Prodane Podcast, hosted by Charlie Evans and Chris Harris, uniting minds across Britain. Good evening. Welcome to the second episode of the Prodane Podcast with myself, Charlie Evans. Myself, Chris Harris. Fantastic. Well, Chris, you'll be pleased to know that we it's not we are not alone tonight. Um, so, uh, Chris, do you want to just introduce some of our guests? So we have Richard Taylor from the Abolish the Welsh Assembly Party. We have Crispin John, former chief and staff of UKIP Wales. And we have Amanda Jenner, who, if I'm right, was the parliamentary candidate for Keredigion at the last uh, election for the Welsh Conservatives. So, um, can you confirm? Was... Can you confirm that's what you are? That is who you are. Yes. Yeah. That's who I am. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, the theme of this episode of the podcast is we, uh, Chris and I, were reflecting and we were thinking actually, oh, it's a bit, bit too much of an echo chamber. So, what we thought we would do is, um, yeah, have a bit of a discussion, have a bit of debate. So, tonight's episode is centered around one particular question. What is the state of Welsh politics? Um, we could we could spend hours debating this, but we're going to condense this into twenty five minutes or so. So I'm going to come to you first, uh, Amanda. I guess well, what is, do you think is the state of Welsh politics? Well, you put me on the spot there. First of all, Charlie. Um, well, on the one hand, I think I think people are probably more engaged with Welsh politics than they've ever been before. Um, but that saying that, I don't think the bar was that high for engagement. Um, but I think because of COVID, um, probably more people now know than they did before who the first minister is, what's devolved, um, and the various sort of key players in Welsh politics. Um, so, from an engagement side point of view, I think it's I think I think it's quite a positive because things are on the on the up. But on the uh, governance side of things, I think everything's just a little bit stale and lacklustre. Well, because we've had, you know, 20 years of the same group of people down in Cardiff. Um, Crispin, uh, what do you think? Um, I absolutely agree with Amanda. I mean, look, you know, it's summer. It, you know, normally Welsh political summers, there's a dearth of absolutely nothing going on. But goodness me, isn't this year completely different? I mean, we're off the back of COVID. We're in the run up to the next Senate elections. There's actually an awful lot going on in Welsh politics, which, you know, doesn't normally happen um, this this time of year. What state are we in? Oh, goodness knows. It's a it's a mess. And 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 how does that? Well, Richard, first of all, you come in into that. Well, what do you think is the uh, well the state I, of Welsh politics? I think well, state is the right word. Actually, it's a correct description. I think that both Amanda and Crispin are right. I think what this pandemic has done is taken a pandemic to even to get people to understand who the first minister of Wales is. That's the state of our political landscape at the moment. And unfortunately, a lot of people were disengaged with politics, domestic politics here in Wales, as opposed to national politics when it comes to Westminster and voting for MPs. And so I think what the pandemic has done is highlighted a whole range of issues, both good and bad. And I think people will, this coming election in May next year, I think there's going to be a few shocks. I think there's going to be a few um, surprises for people because what we've witnessed, in my personal opinion, 
has been shambolic by the Welsh Government over the handling of the crisis, over the policies they've put in place, legislation, over lockdown, over exiting lockdown, or easing or not easing. In particular, Vaughan Gethin's handling of the crisis has been appalling from day one. And I've been very vocal about that, as many of you may know. And uh, so for me, the state of Welsh politics, it's not in a good place right now, but there's always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I guess on that point, Richard, do you think that the UK government's handling has been uh, good? Uh, or, you know, how would you compare the UK government performance? Well, you know, people ask me that question often because the comparisons are important for people, especially when we're, I'm standing to abolish the Welsh Assembly Party. I think what's important to understand is that no one's going to get it perfectly right. You know, these are unprecedented times, a word that I've become familiar with so much over this crisis. But the reality is no one's going to get everything right. There's going to be mistakes made and lessons learned. But for us, you're living in Wales. We are under the Welsh government. And so my criticisms have levied at them for the simple reason they're the government that I and many other Welsh people sit under. And I have witnessed their failures, as I've seen in England as well. They've made mistakes. But the way that Mark Drakeford, First Minister, and our Health Minister has handled this situation where they've done a copy-and-paste kind of format following Westminster's decisions has been quite dreadful. And there are political reasons they've been doing that. And I think it's actually, I think it was Matt Smith, uh, an article in The Telegraph today, I think it was, I read about Mark Drakeford's COVID response has turned Wales into a beacon of despair, where he calls himself a beacon of hope. And I think people are realising it more and more that um, what we've seen through this devolved administration here in Wales mm. has actually not been good for the people of Wales. Chris, do you want to come on any of those points, if you So, I agree with quite a lot of what's been said by everyone so far. It's been a turbulent few months, and I think um, yesterday we had a departure from the Brexit party group in the Assembly. Um, we now see the Assembly is almost, you can feel that the election is getting closer. The parties are gearing up for the election, um, with the Brexit party, they're pivoting to be the sort of anti-devolution uh, party. The Welsh Conservatives are running on a revolution and devolution. Clyde are uh, trying to convince everyone and themselves that uh, Welsh independence is possible. Um, and Labour have been having a, a good time, I would say, in terms of getting their ministers in play to the public to sort of show who's in charge and there's been a deliberate push in the last few months to make Mark Drakeford really step up as the first minister in terms of the public. The, the daily conferences. The, well, I tell, the, I, tell, I tell you what, Charlie, on that, I mean, the media have been very gentle with him. It's almost as if they're a fan club of him. Welsh media, in my opinion, saddle up to the Welsh government in many respects. And some of the quangos out there push in a narrative that they're doing a great job, they're wonderful. And the scrutiny from Welsh media in Wales is absolutely dreadful in my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Richard. I mean, no, no one no one would really disagree with that. Um, you, but th then again, you know, I don't think anyone's sort of suggesting that there was a sort of book on the top of the shelf. That it, it, it was always going to be difficult for, for any government. Um, it's the, the, the issue that, that I think I have with, with the Welsh Government, yeah, it's around some of the presentation. I've written uh, about it on, on the Predown blog and, and elsewhere. Others have as well. Yeah, there's a lot about the presentation that they could have done a lot differently. Would any of anyone else have done differently? I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I think my challenge, my my challenge, I guess, and any any anyone can come on this, you know, and whatever our opinions are on the Welsh, the opinion polling on terms of Mark Drakeford's handling and the Labour government's handling is markedly higher or has been than the UK government's handling in terms of the opinion polling. So I guess, uh, Amanda, I'm going to come on to you on this one. How would you, yeah, what's, what would be your takeaway and stance on that? Is it purely down to media giving them a good time or, yeah, what what's your thoughts? I think it's a bit of a mix, really, Charlie. I think um, in terms of delivery of messages, um, I know that, some some people who aren't necessarily a fan of what is being communicated by Mark Drakeford nevertheless have found him to be quite calm and measured and clear when he's been delivering the next step of, say, coming out of lockdown, whereas they found the UK government to be a little bit more confusing. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I can partly agree with that, but I think... All can, can I just say... Uh... Amanda's point, the confusion for me, the amount of people that contacted me over being confused because they didn't understand how devolution actually works. Uh, when Boris Johnson was giving press conferences and briefings or any of his other cabinet ministers, I'd have people following me thinking that what Boris was saying applied to them. And I had to explain to people over social media, whether it be Facebook or any other form of social media, that actually it doesn't apply to us here in Wales. I, I think the, you know, media, <laughs> the media's got a lot to answer for, though, with that, Richard, because yeah, we had BBC yeah. headlines, which just did not make that clear. But also... I agree, I agree. It's just in the last few days, the way that the media has portrayed uh, the A-level results, I think there was a tweet by uh, one of the Welsh Conservatives in Wrexham, which just illustrated the, the difference in the headline where um, yeah. England was referred to as... Williamson U-turn, whereas uh, Wales was referred to as uh, now they're going to go by teachers' um, predicted grades. So there was no reference to U-turn. And so that just shows at the highest level of the media, is it balanced? You know, do, you, do, we, do we all agree that there's a, there's a problem here? Well, I, I guess I think, I, I think there would be broad agreement on that. But I guess... What do you do to stop it, I guess, is the question. And uh, Crispin, have you got any thoughts on, you know, well, there, there, there clearly is a double standard in Welsh media. You know, even between BBC yeah. Wales and the UK BBC, there's even dis, dif, dis, differences in the, the quality of journalism, I'd say. But what do you fundamentally, what can you fundamentally change on the ground to ensure that there's parity, to ensure that Kirsty Williams and Gavin Williamson are under the same level of scrutiny? It's a very, very good point, Charlie, and I think Amanda, Amanda's really hit the nail on the head. But I mean, what, what I would say to Richard, it's all very well. You're saying, right, OK, yeah, I've had people phoning me up. They they, they don't know, um, you know, what's devolved, what's not. There, There is a lot of that that is to do with, with the media. It doesn't actually help when yes, you, yes, you've got a, an abolish the Welsh Assembly Party that, that is sort of basically saying, look, I'm not happy with the record of the Welsh government. Therefore, I'm going to abolish the legislature. Um, it doesn't help. That, you know, that there's a fundamental difference, obviously, between those two particular bodies. So it's actually it behoves all politicians of all colours to, to actually put it out there to the electorate to actually, uh, you know, really engage with with people about what devolution is about. Just saying you're going to abolish something, I'm afraid, doesn't really cut it for me. And it well, actually, really this is where we of the electorate. Well, 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 this is where we have to agree to disagree, because I uh, personally 
Um, and I, for the, what I would call a silent majority of people, feel the same. This isn't just a party that we've just set up for the sake of setting it up, as you know, starting in 2015, that, you know, I was with the Brexit party. Based yeah, on yeah, the reality, yeah. the people in my constituency voted to leave and I wanted to represent them. And interestingly enough, during the election campaign in 2019, uh, lots of people that I spoke to on the doorstep were talking about how devolution had failed them. These were the people who were engaged with politics, not the ones who were unfamiliar with the set up here in Wales. Mm. And it became apparent to me, so it was a natural progression of me to move to that party. But now, the reality for me is this, Crispin, surely we must, we must give the people in Wales the opportunity for their voice to be heard. They might be the silent majority, but if they're out there, and how many people within the Welsh Conservative Party are devo-sceptic? How many I, people have questioned devolution? When you, yes. told, you spoke on the doorstep and people said that devolution yeah. had failed them, can they? did they give examples of how it was devolution that had well, failed them, rather if, than yes, Welsh if, Labour? That yes, absolutely. If, if I could take you hand in hand and walk you down the streets of any of the towns you're in Blind Eye Gwent, you would see exactly what they were talking about. Boarded up shops, no investment, our education system is the bottom of the pile, well, our NHS was in a mess pre-pandemic, five out of, us, out of the seven health boards are in special measures, and don't get me on Betsy Cornwallis, because that's another story altogether. Again, so these people... Is, you know, it's, it, Amanda raises a fair point. Yeah. How is that the fault of devolution rather than 25 years because, of the Labour-Welsh well, government. Hang on, folks. I'm going, to come, I'm, I'm going to come back in here. I'm just going to come to Chris quickly, because Richard made a point about the devo-sceptics of the Welsh Conservatives often not getting a voice or often not being represented. Chris, I know this, you know, what, what do you think about that point that Richard raises? Well, I think the Welsh Conservative Party more recently has struck a less sort of cosy uh, take on devolution there uh, paul davis is talking about a uh, revolution and devolution yes the i would say if you went to the membership i would say probably mem the entire membership if you went majority wise i would say you probably have 50 to 60 percent of them would be devo skeptic yes but the problem is, is i think they understand that the public is not against devolution yet if you look at the opinion polling there is not an outright majority who are uh, calling to get rid of the Welsh Assembly. Uh, uh, I can I, can I ask you what opinion poll are you referring to, though? Uh, I, w I go on the study poll when it uh, yeah, talks well, about... If you remember, abolish were quite high on there as well in, in respect to independence, the call for independence as well from independent wills. So we are up there, and I'm sure that polls closer towards the elections are going to show a very different picture. And I'm, I'm quite convinced that there are a majority of people out there who feel frustrated. And I, I do understand. I've spoken to many senior uh, people within the Conservative Party in Wales or since February, in, back in February. And it was clear to me when I was suspicious about the uh, devolution, whether or not it's working for Wales, I came to a solid conclusion that it's failed us for two decades. And it's clear that the Welsh Conservative uh, uh, ministers, they don't believe that, uh, that you know, being a unionist party, but yet they want more powers, devolved, to, to Cardiff Bay. Why? 60 million is cost, 61.4 million is costing us a year for this duplication of politicians that we could do without, cut the bureaucracy out and put that money to local authorities and it'd be better spending communities like mine here in Blind Eye. Yeah, Red. but those costs don't add effective. up, do they, uh, Richard? You know, you say it's... it's well, of course it's, they do. It's, 
No, no, we, no, they, no, they don't. You know, they, you've not produced any. Your party's not produced any costings. You say it's 60, 61 and a half. Your, your website says uh, 60, 64. But that assumes that you're going to transfer all these uh, powers back to Westminster, presumably, um, cost neutrally. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? I mean, it's not a duplication. Well, what happens in that's what happens not, in the that, base doesn't happen in Westminster the, at the moment. So, no. With all, with all due respect, though, that's not up for you or for me to decide, Crispin, is it? It's up to the electorate to decide, not you or I. It's up well, to you're, you, you're standing for election for them, so if you're going to yeah. put a policy forward, then you need well, to cost it. I, I, I haven't said I'm standing, have I? You're, you're hang on, I'm going I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm to come on to Amanda Jenny here. Hello. Amanda, would you say, would you say, hello, uh, would you say that the, um, the, the devolution revolution or, or what have you, do you think that's going to be enough to stop some conservative voters, for example? Because also the, uh, the, 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 the list system is quite confusing as well. Often people think it's a bit like PR, so they will put their second preference under the list system. Mm -hmm. So do you think the Welsh conservatives are doing enough to stop Welsh conservative voters drifting towards Brexit Party, UKIP, or abolish the Assembly Party in the second box? Um, I think what the World Conservatives are saying, if it had cut through, is enough, because I think it addresses uh, a lot of the issues with those who are uh, a Devo sceptic. Um, and, for example, it's calling, you know, there's, there's, there's examples of maybe diverting some more um, power down to local authority level and potentially decentralising um, some of the things that are overly decided down in Cardiff Bay, like developments of national significance, for example. Um, hmm. But I do have a concern that there isn't going to be enough time for the Welsh Conservative message to cut through with voters. Um, and I, and, and I, you know, I'm committed to working really hard to ensure it does, because I think if it does get cut through, um, then people will, you know, realise that the Welsh Conservatives mean business here. And, um, and a lot of what we are saying is our important policies that people, people will actually feel quite passionate about. And Crispin, on that point, I think, of the, that kind of right of centre vote, there's a real danger, isn't there, um, for, I guess, for, for, for um, Richard's party, for uh, UKIP, the, the, the party that you worked for, and the Brexit party, that their vote gets split and that it just gets torn apart. And then actually, it probably gives the Welsh Conservatives a few more votes, a few more seats on that list system. So where, where, where would you say the parties on the, I guess, the, the Devo-Skeptic party, three of them, where, where is the real contest, I guess? Or, or where do you think they should be parking their tanks? No, you're, you're absolutely right, Charlie. And this is this is some work that I, that I did a long, long time ago when I was uh, working for UKIP. And I know Richard's been on on this for, for a long time. A lot of people have been doing this for ages. The abolished party, as Richard rightly says, was formed back in, in 2015. There's this there is a vote there. The the problem that I've always felt um, really is that, you know, once one smaller party and another smaller party comes out with this sort of thing um yeah they there's there's the risk that they're going to split the the vote um in terms of where that vote is is probably uh strongest um i would say it's going to be in in southeast wales north wales the these are the grounds that were um fertile for um ukip in the last um assembly election and i've you know i've 
from from the polling I've seen. I, I, I would think that um, it's probably going to be similar this time around. But the problem is, if it's all split, they run the risk of destroying each other. That's that's the that's the worry. Um, Richard, in that kind of on that point, then is in your kind of in the abolished camp. Are, is that a concern of yours? Are you willing to work with the likes of UKIP, the Brexit Party, um, to, to come up with some sort of electoral alliances? Are you concerned as a party about splitting the vote? Uh, well, it's a good question. And I take Crispin's point. I can see how many people can perceive that the votes could be split, uh, you know, with this uh, concept of scrapping or abolishing the assembly. But I need to point out, I think, it's essential for people to understand that abolish the assembly party is the single policy that we have is the most important policy, the only policy. We have solutions that make that fit, which we might come to later. But the reality is, is it's the Brexit party. As of yesterday, you know, Caroline Jones resigned from the party to stand as an independent. There are three members left. We don't know what they're going to do. Um, I'm not privy to any conversations that they've had or discussions that might take place. But will the Brexit party win any votes in the assembly elections may next year will they get any seats i doubt it very much i think the reason for that is and i have a lot of respect for the brexit party i'm still friends with many people within the party both nationally and in wales here but i will say this that ship has sailed brexit now has been done and so for them and, and the electorate more, more importantly the electorate will see that why should i vote for the brexit party what difference is it what you know they, they're not standing on anything Clearly, I know they've mentioned a couple of ideas of electing the first minister and such forth, but clearly our message is the same, is to abolish the Welsh Assembly because we believe that devolution has failed the people of Wales. And, and we're clear on that message, and as you know, across social media, across the board, from day one. Chris, hang on, folks. I'm going to just steer this conversation slightly differently now. Chris, um, well, firstly, have you got anything to add to that? But I then was going to ask you, in terms of where do you think the main issues are in terms of next year what voters think about where would you say the main issues because is this devolution debate a bit of a bubble thing a social media bubble thing uh, where do you think the the main bread and butter issues are for welsh voters so i think it's on several fronts so um when we talk about uh polling for the senate when the last bit of polling was done in uh, looking at it they actually said that it wasn't actually a majority in favor of getting rid of it. It was uh, comparable to the vote to, uh, polling for independence. The majority actually want to be or keep the status quo if you look at the latest polling. I think that then leads to the next question of do abolish go outright and they say let's get rid of the institution. Well, for some of us who are skeptical of devolution, that could be a good prospect. However, you then got to look at the playing field you're on and if really the public isn't really at the position of getting rid of it. And then you're left with a, how do you make it work best for you? And I think that's where the problem for the Abolish Party, Brexit Party and UKIP is that the public is not yet at a position to get rid of the Assembly. Um, I mean, the polling for it's only recently started to be done on that question. And so then it comes down to how do you make devolution work best for the people of Wales? And if you can't get rid of it, that means you've got to change the government have got to change policies, try and make it more palatable to the electorate. Now, I know when Richard said about the silent majority, if they don't vote, they don't really, their views don't count really, because if they fail to turn up at the ballot box, yes, it I means someone, someone else benefits. And so 
really there, there is a sizable number of people who don't vote for assembly elections. Um, I think last time it was something like 54% uh, of the people didn't turn out. And mm-hmm. so if those people could be engaged, the big issues now are surely health and education. And I think... But can I mention, going back on an early conversation, people are more aware of devolution and politics and how it works now than they were before the pandemic, as we mentioned earlier in our conversation. And so there's a proportion of people, a large percentage of people, because the turnouts are very low, as you know, in Assembly elections, uh, Senate elections, Western elections, compared to Westminster elections. So for me... These are people that have now engaged with politics, and I believe, and I passionately believe this, that that they're going to be able to have an opportunity because we're going to give them the opportunity to actually have a voice, because they've never felt they've had options prior to this, and I think it's it's essential that people understand that the electorate, at the end of the day, the ones who decide. Yeah, but and- I mean, Rich, Richard, don't you don't you understand? I mean, people are going to want to understand what are you going to offer them, and I I don't see. What abolish is offering on, th- you know, the crucial issues is, as Chris said, on health, education. These are the bread and butter issues. And you absolutely, know, I, I agree. Yeah. But at this stage of at this stage of the campaign, we're not prepared to publish all the details of what we've got to come up with. So do you we not know clear, what you're going to do? We are clear, as well as was the Brexit. Party. Well, well, well. Let change us politics, know. Change politics for good. Right was not just the well, slogan, that was a Brexit it, it, party slogan. Yeah, exa- exactly. So we are about abolishing the Welsh Assembly because we believe that we, that Wales is sleepwalking into independence. We believe that passionately, well, and I'm witnessing it not just within what I've seen on media, but what I'm experiencing and talking to people. The people are afraid because independence would be political suicide for our country. Yeah, and well, well, let's get back to the let's get back to the let's get back to the points. What would abolish do for health and education? Well, we would have we would have one NHS, not four NHS. We'd have one. Yeah, but NHS but that suggests, but does, one. but does that suggest though that you are satisfied with the way that the NHS England has been run? And you know, and we can talk about the failures of um, NHS well, Wales and so on and so forth. But but are you? Is the danger for the abolished party? I guess that if your answer is abolish the assembly, um, that you are essentially endorsing the. NHS England, you're endorsing the Department of Education in you know, of the UK government. You're essentially endorsing the English equivalent at every single stage. And well, isn't actually, that quite dangerous? Are you? Isn't that quite dangerous when, as we've talked about earlier, the public see English issues presented by the UK media? So therefore, is it a danger that you are basically that kind of nailing your kind of your your, your colours um, on basically what the English what English performances? Well, no, because our main focus is on the failures of the Welsh NHS, and it's an absolute disgrace. It's a mess. Because it's and has been, <laughs> and, and has been consistently for, for for many, many years. And I, I don't need to point that out. I mean, we all know the state of the Welsh NHS. But the reality is, whoever's in power in Westminster, whoever's in government, the reality is for us as a party, we just believe that devolution has failed the people of Wales. We've not prospered under devolution. Our towns... Our villages, our city centres, mostly in Cardiff Bay, of course, they get a lot of funding for different pro- projects and such forth. But Europe in the valleys where I am, it's deplorable. It's absolutely disgraceful. There are people who are struggling, working families across the valleys who feel missed. They've not been represented. They've not had a voice. And devolution Amanda. has failed those people. Yeah. Amanda, Jenna, um, and to, what, 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 what's the... Uh, where would you say the election will be won and lost? I think... Um... Uh, you, that, that you're right in that it's going to be the key issues of education and 
and health. Um, but I also think a lot of services that other services that local authorities um, run as well. And I think, you know, Richard's right in the sense that people um, do feel like they have been forgotten about in certain areas. But my, I, I'm, quite, I'm quite convinced that that is because Welsh Labour don't, don't really recognise the rest of Wales outside of the M4 corridor. They certainly don't understand the cost of delivering services in rural local authorities. That's it, the, there is a huge need for the formula that funds the, the of the settlements of local authorities to be reviewed so that it's much more fairer. Um, but these are all Welsh Labour and Welsh Government failings, not necessarily failings of, of devolution. And, and as a Conservative, you know, I, I believe in making decisions as close to as close to home as, as possible and I think that can work with devolution where things aren't overly centralized in Cardiff Bay and we do empower some more uh, local led decision making so I think that if we can get that right that would make a real difference in terms of health and education and you know not to mention the state of rural highways if they're funded fairly. Um, Chris, Crispin, um, anything you've just heard which you want to come back on? No, I mean, I absolutely agree with Amanda. I think she's really right. This this really is about um, making devolution work for people. Um, I think, you know, it's often been a phrase that the genie's been let out of the bottle. You're not going to put it, put it back in. Um, and uh, it's about making it work. But I really think that devolution can be made to work for people in Wales, and it can be made to work through an alternative government. The, the only reason it's failed is through 20, 25 years of, of a Labour government. And I'm afraid that whatever sexy slogans and whatever, you know, cheesy um, social media posts you can put out, slapping an abolish stamp on the end of it isn't going to do it. Um, I think it needs... That's a, a, that's, that's a bit of a cheap shot, Chris. But so who would you vote for? Yeah. So you'd vote for the Welsh Conservatives. You think they're going to make a difference if they win and get a majority? You think that's going to happen, do you? I genuinely think that that, um, that, that there there is, a, there is a real chance this election to to get some decent change. Um, let, let's, let's, um, let's, not, let's, let's not forget that last time around... Uh, Labour only cling on by the skin of their teeth. It's a, you know, it, 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 it's a difficult one. I really, I really get that, but um, I, I honestly think that you know, going forward, we need a bit more of a constructive uh, conversation about devolution if we're going to reform it. I'm afraid, you know, just shoving an abolish stamp ain't going to work. Chris Harris. So I think this is where it comes down to it is I think the voters will be pragmatic about the state of play. And I think they will realise that really there isn't this groundswell against devolution yet. I think people are apathetic. I think people are disappointed. But I don't think they're at the point yet where it's a tipping point and they want to get rid of it yet. And so I think the reality is as much as the Abolish Party, the Brexit Party, they rebrand UKIP, as much as they may say, they, I think they will stay on the fringe of debate because I think the reality is a lot of the voters will realise that being pragmatic, the bigger parties will have more likelihood of really making an impact on their lives. And they will look at how the civics performed in North Wales and think maybe if they could take North Wales at parliamentary level, 
maybe they could take it at assembly level, and that could really change the map of Wales politically. Um, in, ter- in terms of, hard- go on, Chris. Yeah. Um, I was just going to uh, steer this conversation, the final bit of the conversation, to what um, about individual parties? What's a good result for them, basically? Um, and Chris, I'm going to just ask you about the Labour Party quickly. What do you think Labour's aim is? Is it to get a majority again? What's a good result for Labour next year? So, realistically, I think they will be looking to stay in government and carry this long streak of government to onwards. Um, whether they can perform better at the Assembly elections this time than last time remains to be seen. Maybe they, maybe they think they can go into it outright majority without the need for independence and then leave them to prop them up. But I think the aim for them will be to try to retain power. I think mm. realistically, if you look at the Conservatives, they will be looking to make substantive gains. And I, I'm going to ask, on the, on the Welsh Conservative front, I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm shaking up the parties basically for them to give uh, analysis to. Um, Richard, what do you think about the Welsh Conservatives? What do you think is a good result for them? Well, you know, um, I think... Take, I th- objectively... I th- yeah, I, I will, of course, yeah. I think, um, you know, what we saw at the general election, we saw the, the red wall crumbling, is the, the phrases. Then I think that was due to a number of reasons. The, the main reason for me was over the whole issue on Brexit, that the majority of people in Wales did vote to leave the EU. And I think, you know, there was a big swing um, to the Conservatives and they got a lot of gains. And, you know, it, in no, I'm in no doubt that Conservatives are in a strong position. You know, the, the the downside of that for them is obviously Boris's performance now and over the situation with asylum seekers coming across the water um, and other headlines that, are, that, that they're, being, they're making. Then, of course, you know, opinions can change. So I think the West Conservatives have got as much chance as anybody else, as much as we have. And as I've always said, and I'll keep saying, we can't predict the future. It's the electorate that will decide. And I'm sure our messaging is getting out there. People are understanding and listening to it as much as the West Conservatives. Amanda, Plaid Cymru, I know they're um, in Ceredigion. They've obviously got a, quite a stronghold and obviously that was an area you went for. Um, what was, what's a good result for the Nationalists next year? So, objectively, I, I think they will improve their... I think they'll, they'll improve their, uh, their numbers in the, in the Senate. I think probably the best that they could hope for would be a coalition with Labour. Um, so, yeah, from an objective point of view, that's what I think. But I don't think they'll get anywhere near enough to think about even a minority majority. And then, um, Crispin, I guess, do you think, um, just talking about reflect on the abolish uh, UKIP and uh, and the Brexit party, you know, do you think um, abolish can challenge Conservatives? <sighs> I, I, look, I, I think that uh, abolish could potentially take some votes away from um, uh, conservative devo skeptic voters um, in terms of uh, what what the results might actually look like at the end of the day. What I'm worried about, and I've I've written about this before, is that some of these smaller parties will will sort of effectively implode their own vote. Um, it, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one, but I, I think the uh, Welsh Conservative message uh, about devolution has tweaked somewhat, and it remains to be seen how that gets out there, but it's it's going to be an interesting uh, few months to come, for sure. Um, and uh, Richard, can Mr Davis, Alan Davis, be expecting you to be uh, going head-to-head with him next year? 
Well, I, I can't say too much at present, but what I will say, he's not going to have it all his own way. Uh, that much I can <laughs> say. Um, I'm very uh, well connected to a lot of people in my night. Richard, you're I'm very gracious as usual. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, we've had some exchanges on social media. But the reality is, it's like this, you know, we, we have these spats and these arguments on social media, but all of us, I'm sure, would agree across the board here. Most of the people that I know in in their homes, you know, the electorate, the people that will decide, they don't pay attention to much of what we say on Twitter or on Facebook. Oh. So I think a lot of the times it's about, you know, the reality of are you supporting local things in your community? Yeah. So, for example, a local fish and chip shop up in Rasa, me joining um, the museum in Bliner and uh, lending my support as a volunteer on the ground. And I'm sure Amanda's done a lot in her constituency as a councillor. You know, they, all these things, that they, they those are the things that matter to the people that vote. They don't care about headlines. They don't. We argue with each other because we're in politics. We're in this bubble. Let's be quite frank and honest. But when I go out and I'm speaking to people, I'm involved in a lot of different community projects. It's different, isn't it? And I'm sure we can all agree on that, that it's the people that matter the most, not politics. Chris, final say, Chris. What, 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 how would you sum up this discussion? What would you say is the state of Welsh politics? Well, I think we've covered a fair bit. I think Richard sums up very much that it can be a bubble and social media can be an echo chamber. So I think really as we draw this to an end, I think it's dependent on all parties that it don't look solely at social media and think that that's where the electorate are, because I think that could be a trap. Yeah. And they can pay the price at the polls accordingly. So I think that's probably a nice way of concluding it. Uh, I think everyone would probably agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Well, look, um, thank you ever so much, Crispin, Amanda, Richard, um, for joining um, Chris and I this evening. Um, please let us know your thoughts. Listeners, um, you can listen to this on many <clears throat> podcast platforms and see you again next time. Thanks, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. For more from the Predine Review, head to predine.review on any web browser. Alternatively, check us out on social media at Predine Review.